RadioInfluence.com You are in the trenches with former Buccaneers offensive lineman Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Hello, everybody. This is Ian Beckles, and welcome back to In the Trenches. Uh, This is probably my favorite podcast out of all the podcasts that I do, since I do have quite the football background and uh, a little bit of football knowledge. Uh, This is the easiest one. Plus, we're talking about my team, the Buccaneers, which is my team, which, once again, um, makes me more involved in this one than maybe some of my other podcasts. And I enjoy talking about football, obviously. Now, there's a lot of things happening in the NFL. We're going to touch on that a little bit. I'm going to talk, uh, answer some emails that I got, uh, talk a little bit about the OTAs, um, break down Jameis Winston a little bit, and then compare Sue and McCoy, um, because that's going to be, you know, Jameis Winston, Mary, type thing because everybody's going to be comparing those two probably forever all right uh, or until they they exist in this league now uh, a lot of things are going on around the league uh, OTAs are happening uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, they weren't there for the voluntary workouts now everybody went batshit crazy because they weren't there for the voluntary workouts not mandatory um I had missed voluntary workouts myself for whatever reason. Um, it's voluntary. If, you, if it's not voluntary, then take the word off. So when you put voluntary on that, you're really not allowed as an organization or as a fan to be upset. Because if your, co- if your boss came up to you and said, well, Friday we're having a meeting, but it's voluntary, you probably won't show up. I'm just telling you. Okay, that's just what's going to happen. So, you know, is it ideal for them to show up? Absolutely. But it's voluntary, not mandatory. And that's throughout the CBA. So that's the rules that were imposed by Roger Goodell and the Players Association. So you're not allowed to bitch and moan. There's a lot of people bitching and moaning. And I don't know if that's going to stop. Now, I want to give some love to uh, one of my favorite people of all time. He's gone. Uh, Leroy Salmon, they just put an eight-foot statue of Leroy Salmon downtown, downtown. I didn't get a chance to see it yet. I'm sure I'll go take a picture with it, but uh, one of my favorite people of all time, uh, unbelievable football player, uh, n- one of the nicest people I've ever met, maybe. Just had a great heart and made everybody around him feel better. So if you love Leroy Salmon like I did, uh, go pay homage to him with that eight-foot statue that they have downtown. I guess it's right off the cross town. I don't know exactly where it is, but I'm sure they're going to go check it out. Now, the um, a lot of things have been happening around the league. The Texans fired their GM, Brian Gain, after one season. Now, the Texans are a successful organization, and they're firing their GM We've won 10 games in the last two years, and we retained our GM. Now, Bill O'Brien, who was a coach for the uh, Texans, really you know, goes by the way of the New England Patriots. He was there with Belichick, and um, he really, that's what he's trying to create. And he doesn't want anything less than what he's used to. Uh, the name Scott Pioli's out there still. Uh, I was exposed to Scott Pioli when I was with the Jets late in my career. Uh, great evaluator of talent. And I think that really Bill O'Brien needs more of a pawn than a GM. Some people don't do well with, you know, attitudes and, um, you know, 
opinions. Everybody has their own opinion. John Gruden doesn't do well with opinions. He doesn't care what your opinion is. His opinion is, is right. Bill O'Brien may be that same type dude. So we'll see what happens there with the Texans, but they have a lot of talent there, and I think Bill O'Brien's a hell of a coach. I wouldn't be shocked if he wins a Super Bowl eventually. Now, our beloved Eagles, I saw a little thing on Deshaun Jackson, how everybody there loves him, how the, the fan base loved him. He was giving away meals to underprivileged people, doing football camps, and, um, you know, he didn't work out here, but they love him, Philadelphia. I foresee him having a good season. He had he had every chance in the world to have a good season or good seasons here. Uh, didn't work out, unfortunately. And I, you know, what's funny is I, I think the majority fell on Jameis in a weird, weird way. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen before where a quarterback has you know synergy and chemistry with mostly everybody else and not one guy. But that was pretty evident. And I don't know if it was a personal thing. I don't know what it was. But that was pretty evident that Deshaun Jackson uh, and Jameis Winston, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't mesh. But the Eagles re-signed Carson Wentz, four-year extension, $128 million. Do the math in your head. It's a lot of damn money. It's just something you have to do these days. You got to lock in your quarterback and make sure you don't you don't lose them. Now, let me take tell you guys to, you know, in the offseason is a, a great time for this national media to go out there and evaluate everybody's talent and everybody's team. And that's really their job. And that's good. But you have to understand that when you hear national media break down our beloved Buccaneers. You have to understand that there's 32 NFL teams and the national media probably watched the Buccaneers between, I would say, fifth least. And I'm not going down, like, everybody knows who's on the Patriots. Everybody knows who's on the Cowboys. Everybody watches the Eagles. Everybody watches the Steelers. Don't nobody watch the Buccaneers, all right? So when I'm hearing everybody evaluating the Buccaneers talent-wise, and it even irks me sometimes when I'm on the radio and we call up somebody from St. Louis and they're breaking down the Buccaneers. I feel like saying, you need, you should be calling me because I've watched every snap in the last, I don't know, 20 years, okay? And we're calling somebody in St. Louis to tell us how our Buccaneers are. So watch out for all that national publicity that people are spitting out and I'm hearing somebody saying that the Buccaneers are going to be the surprise team of the year and you know, I mean that, that's just a reach that's all it is you don't know why you're just saying it because there hasn't been enough things in the offseason happen here to make anybody think that this Buccaneer team is going to be a kick-ass team other than Bruce Arians okay that's the most that's got to be the most important thing now let me get to some of my emails here and uh, once again, if you want to email me, it's ianbeckles at radioinfluence.com. Uh, this is my probably my favorite one from Pizza Lover. He does a wonderful job. Uh, so people are saying when the Bucks cut McCoy, the, they lost the heart of their defense. And I 100% agree with that. And I read it to that point. I'm like, what? And he said, it makes me so happy he's gone. He was a heart. And it was quitting, selfish, soft-ass heart. So I'm happy he's gone. Thank you, Pizza Lover. I couldn't have said that any better. He was the heart and soul of garbage. He's the heart and soul of what? If you're a leader and he was kept on telling everybody he's a leader of shit, eventually got to get another leader. And that's what we did. And doesn't, Sue doesn't have to be a leader. He just have to go out there and kick some ass. And, I, and McCoy didn't do that enough either. either. Uh, this one says, um, 
Is it over 50% chance or under someone will do something stupid during the break before training camp, arrested, etc.? Now, Brad, uh, good question. More often than not, it doesn't happen. Uh, and it'll happen somewhere in the NFL. But that's just the way it goes. A lot of players out there, okay? There's a lot of players out there. Somebody's going to do something stupid. That's the way it goes. I know Bruce Arians gave all the, the, the players a message on the way out. You know, don't be selfish. It's about the team. And uh, stay your ass out of trouble. And I don't know why anybody would get in trouble during this time. This is a time where when I left here and I went home between now and training camp, about a month and a half, was getting down to the nitty gritty and, you know, cut the drinking out and, you know, work out a little bit harder and run a little harder. And there really shouldn't be enough time for you to get in trouble. But everybody figures ways to get that done. Now, I have another email here um, from Paul R. And basically, it's breaking down uh, what's the difference between a 3-4 defense and a 4-3 defense. And aside from liking Sue's game better, why do you think he's a better fit in Bulls defense than McCoy? Well, you know, Bruce Arians basically said that McCoy was a better, I mean, um, Sue was a better fit. I agree. Uh, Sue has already played in a 3-4 defense. Listen, uh, Paul, the, the long and short of it on a 3-4 defense, McCoy is not suited to play nose guard. He's not strong enough, okay? It's just that's not somewhere anybody wants to be, nose guard in a 3-4 defense, unless you're built like Vita Vey or Sue. Um, Gerald McCoy is a one-gap football player. Put him, in the, put him in the gap and tell him to jump the gap. In a 3-4 defense, a lot of the times, you're going to be lined up head up on the tackle, needing to take on double teams. And that's not Gerald McCoy's game. He, that, it just doesn't make sense. Dominican Sue has done it already, so leave it to him. Uh, he's done it well. So definitely a better fit over there. And the 3-4 defense, what I hear, is a hybrid 4-3 defense, and they're going to have... Instead of Sue playing over the tackle, he's going to be playing over the guard, which is basically an under front or an over front. So, um, you know, it's it's a hybrid. It's not the same as when I used to play the Detroit Lions, the Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the New York Jets. They used to all play a straight 3-4 defense, Green Bay Packers. And... You know, there's, there's, they have, you have to have the outside linebackers. You got to have the the big inside linebackers. I'm not sure the Buccaneers have all that, so they're going to have kind of an offshoot hybrid type of thing going on. Now, this OTAs are over. Uh, Bruce Arians, who's a two-time uh, coach of the year, so uh, I've all I asked last year and some previous years who in the organization knows what it looks like. Well, Bruce Arians knows what it looks like. When I say knows what it looks like, he knows what a championship team looks like. He knows he doesn't have a championship team right now. He knows that. But he also knows what he needs to do to get to that point. And there's a lot of things we need to do, obviously. And Bruce Arians, for one thing, is a straight shooter. Uh, I think he's a straight shooter with the press. He's a straight shooter with the players. And um, I think that's a good thing. The thing with Dirk Cutter, I, I didn't know either way. I, I don't know. Dirk Cutter, Dirk Cutter didn't really know what it looked like for me. He said a few things throughout the year that he just can't say as a head coach. I don't know how to fix it. It's not a, a, something the head coach should ever say or any boss in any situation. And that really came out of his mouth towards the end of the season. And that wasn't, that wasn't good enough. So Bruce Arians knows what he wants. Okay, and he's going to be a son of a bitch out there. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he's going to let players know. And to me, that's the best thing. 
Now, OTAs are over. Uh, there's a couple of things that were you heard a lot in OTAs. And when you hear stuff in OTAs, you have to take it with a grain of salt to the third power. It's just, there's no pads on. You can't really compete. Um, it's not really football. It's it's sandlot football. You can look good without pads and then put pads on and be a totally different football player. So Jameis Winston, I guess they said, had thrown a bunch of interceptions during OTAs. Um, is that relevant? Sure. Because you, you obviously want Jameis to stop making these mistakes. But Jameis is learning a new system. If you don't think Jameis Winston is going to make mistakes now, if he wasn't making mistakes now, that'd be a problem. This is the time to make mistakes. So are we going to make that big of a deal out of Jameis Winston throwing interceptions? I'm not. Not right now. I'd like to see the Buccaneers run the ball 40 times a game and make Jameis throw it 25 times a game. I tell you what, that'd be an equation for success for me. They, everybody's talking about how the secondary is improved. Great. No pads. No timing. No pass rush. No anything. It, it's, it's just talk. The, pat, the secondary is improved is just talk. That's just fluff, okay? And that's it. Now, the thing with Jameis, Jameis obviously needs to improve. I just was watching Pro Football Live, I think it's called, a full for Pro Football Talk with Chris Sims and another guy. And um, Chris Sims was breaking down his NFL quarterbacks. And I was shocked, okay? He, he started off at number 40, which means you're delving into the, the backup quarterbacks. And he had Jameis Winston ranked 27th in the NFL. He had Kyler Murray ahead of him. He had Joe Flacco ahead of him. If you had one game to play right now, you're going to pick Joe Flacco over Jameis Winston? No way. No way. That's crazy. To me, Jameis has way more upside than maybe any other quarterback in the whole NFL. He maybe has more upside than anybody in the NFL. Somebody could teach him when to do certain things and when not to do certain things. Jameis has everything else on lock. When you talk to, talk about accuracy, um, accuracy to me has to do with being comfortable. If, you have, if you're in practice and you say, Jameis, make these throws, he can make every throw. When you're comfortable with something, that's easy to make a throw. When you're uncomfortable, now all of a sudden the ball starts soaring and you start doing some things maybe you, you shouldn't do. But accuracy, I think Jameis is all right. That deep ball is still questionable. We talked about Deshaun Jackson. That's still very questionable. Now, knowledge... Uh, from what I hear, Jameis is one of the best students of the game. He loves the game. In, you know, first one in, last one out. You know, bringing up another name, Josh Freeman, another guy who had a world of talent. You never heard that about Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman was the last one in, first one out. That's not Jameis Winston, and that's half the battle. Decision making, um, that's something Jameis needs to improve in, is decision making. And poise. There's times where you see... Jameis going down, and as he's going down, he's trying to make a throw that he could probably complete 5% of the time. Eh, That's decision-making, all right? So those are kind of things that need to be improved um, and tinkered with, but not messed with, because Jameis Winston is a gunslinger. He likes to take chances. And if you take that out of his game, 
Um, the rest of it's going to be, you know, you can mess with it because that's what made Brett Favre great. And uh, if you took that the gunslinger part away, uh, the rest of Brett Favre would be, you know, average. Escapability. There's not many better than Jameis in this league. And Jameis is one of the best I've seen in a long time of just escaping rushes, um, lengthening plays. Uh, what he does after there, you know, there's better out there. Um, Mahomes and some of those other guys. Ben Roethlisberger is great at it. But Jameis is pretty damn good. Jameis, is, I think, actually is a better thrower when he's running or evading people in the pocket than just sitting in the pocket. Because when I mean he's sitting in the pocket, I could basically just hear him thinking. I could hear him thinking. So I'm hoping for big things from Jameis Winston, and that's going to come down to Bruce Arians and his tutelage and how much knowledge he can get into Jameis Winston's head. Now, we, we touched on Sue and McCoy earlier and I was on the record, not what, not after we got Sue, way before we got Sue, that Dominican Sue was a substantially better football player. And not just because he's a Buccaneer. I'm just talking about results. And listen, we're a fan. You're a fan of the Buccaneers, if that's the case. You should be a fan of Dominican Sue. He's a Buccaneer. Okay? Um, he occupies way more space than Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy occupies the least amount of space that I've ever seen for a defensive tackle. And that's for anybody. He occupies minimal space. What I mean by that is you can run the ball behind him, in front of him, beside him, and he's not going to make the play. He's too worried about pushing a lineman backwards and not engaging and not getting off a block. There's so few plays and video of Gerald McCoy shedding a blocker and making a tackle. So few. If I could find a dozen in nine years, I would be shocked. I'm telling you. It, that, that's not his thing. So, Gerald McCoy's radius is minuscule. You could run the ball right next to him and be successful. That's where Dominican Sue is substantially better. Dominican Sue is always looking for the ball, looking to make a play, looking to be physical and come off a block. And he occupies way more space. You run the ball next to him, it comes the arms, those big old meat hooks. He's snagging people, bringing them down. And as far as the pass rush goes, Gerald McCoy might be a more brilliant pass rusher. And I'm saying using that word brilliant uh, with air quotes because when he does get a sack, it'll be prettier than Sue's sacks. But I'm talking about every down, every play, Dominican Sue has a constant push. Gerald McCoy will try to jump around somebody, get punched in the chest, and then by the time the quarterback throws the ball, he's five yards from the quarterback. Watch. Sometimes Gerald McCoy is five yards from the quarterback when the quarterback is throwing the ball. Dominican Sue is going to be close to the quarterback because he has more of a power rush. Therefore... He's making the quarterback uncomfortable. And quarterbacks have been comfortable against the Buccaneers for the last, I don't know how many years. I don't remember the last time they were uncomfortable. Simeon Rice was here. It's a long time ago. So it's time for the Buccaneers to get back into a mode where they're making quarterbacks uncomfortable. I think that's important. So we're going to measure all season long. And personally... I think Gerald McCoy is going to be a part-time player. I think Gerald McCoy is going to lay down in Carolina if they don't play well. Uh, I don't think Sue's that type of player. 
I think Sue's an every down player, and Sue's making the plays that he doesn't make sometimes makes the team better. And I think that was a problem with Gerald McCoy. If anybody ever wants to uh, email me, it's ianbeckles at radioinfluence.com. I have lots of other uh, podcasts if you guys want to tune in, uh, talking about food, talking about uh, politics, talking about cannabis, the whole nine yards. So you want to check those out on uh, all the avenues from uh, Radio Influence. But I appreciate talking to you guys every single week. Like I said, I'm, I am a Buccaneer. I'm also a Buccaneer fan. Um, so this is therapeutic for me because my team has won 10, 10 games in the last two years and it's time for a turnaround. I think we all deserve it. So everybody have a wonderful week and please be safe. Peace out. You have been in the trenches with Ian Beckles on Radio Influence. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.